What a powerful truth. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you watching my live stream. And I believe I have a word for you from the Lord today that is going to cause your faith to be inspired. It's going to go to another level. So don't you dare turn it off. Get ready, get ready, get ready for a word in season that I believe is going to bless your life today. I want you to just stretch your hands out toward either your iPad, your iPhone, your television set, wherever you're watching this this, uh, service today. Stretch your hands out toward me as I pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that is viewing this service this morning. And I pray that they will remain strong in you and in the power of your might. Lord, you have never let us down and you're not going to now. We look to you as our source, our source for health, our source for finances, our source for peace. You're our source for everything that we need. And Lord, I pray that each and every viewer right now, if they haven't already done so, will make a quality decision to put the Word of God first place in their life. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you promise that everything else that we might need will be added to us. So we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray, I had this on my heart this morning. I pray for every viewer, for their immune system to be strong today. To be strong today in the name of Jesus. And throughout this time, that they will not weaken, they will not succumb to the pressure and the symptoms that the world says we have to have. But we believe that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Our immune system is strong in Him, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And if you will, shout amen, somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's get into the Word today. And uh, in fact, just before I ask you to open your Bibles, last night I was praying about the service this morning. Actually, I've had it on my heart for the last couple of days. But last night I was praying. And then again this morning, after I got dressed and went down to my study, and began to pray over my notes and uh, just make sure that I had everything organized the way I believed the Spirit of God wanted me to say it. And suddenly there came a word from the Lord and I wrote it down just before coming over here today. In fact, uh, while we were in praise and worship, the Lord added a couple of more phrases. And so I want to read this to you right now. This is what I believe is the Lord is saying to us, Right now, do not fret and do not fear. I still plan to give you a supernatural year. It's not over and you will not fail. Didn't I tell you that the gates of hell shall not prevail? Rest in me and I'll see you through and I'll bring to pass all that I said I would do. So thank your father in heaven that you have a choice. You can choose to fear or you can choose to rejoice. So rejoice and do not cease. This is how you tap into my supernatural peace. Hallelujah. So let's do that right now. Let's choose to rejoice and do not fear. Can you do it right now? I know we're all in here, uh, just a handful of us because of uh, the restrictions and so forth. But this handful of people that is in this auditorium and you, while you're watching wherever you might be at home probably. Let's give the Lord a good shout. Let's rejoice anyway. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Father, that your word is true and we can depend upon you. Hallelujah. Amen. Open your Bibles this morning, if you will, first of all, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And I want to talk to you this morning about stability in unstable times. Stability 
in unstable times. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus has come into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah's are one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Now, the first thing I want you to notice is this. Jesus expects a different answer out of his followers than what the world says. Amen. Jesus expects a different answer from you and me than what the rest of the world says. So notice they said, the rest of the world says that you're John the Baptist, you're uh, Elijah, you're uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So he said, but who do you say that I am? In other words, God's people ought to be talking differently than the rest of the world. And if you turn on your evening news or morning news or afternoon news, then you know they're saying one thing. And I'm, I'm not saying that we're just to ignore everything they say. But at the same time, if you watch that day in and day out, it's going to get down into your spirit. And you're going to start talking like them. But here Jesus uh, is saying, I'm expecting you to speak something different than what the world is saying. And what is the world saying right now? It's getting worse and it's going to get even worse than that. Well, I'm not saying that. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not ignoring what's going on in our world today. I'm not a spiritual ostrich and burying my head in the sand and pretend that it's not bad. No, I'm not doing that. But I am not saying what they say. I'm not talking the way they talk. This has not changed my stand on God's word. I started 51 years ago believing God's word and making it final authority in my life. And just because of what's going on right now, it hasn't changed. It's still final authority. And I'm still talking differently than the rest of the world. And I encourage you to do the same. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands right now and say, I choose to do that. Amen. Now I'm going to hold you to it. Amen. Now notice he said, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, don't get the idea that Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church upon the rock called Peter. That's not what he's saying. He said, thou art Peter. In other words, notice how he changed his name. It was Simon Barjona, but now it's Peter, Petra in the Greek. And Petra means a rock. In other words, he went from Simon, Simon Barjona, which literally means uh, shaken like a reed. And that described Peter's or Simon Barjona's nature. That's the way he was. He was shaken like a reed. One moment he says, I'm willing to die with you. The next moment he's hiding out somewhere. He's like a reed tossed to and fro. But notice when he received a revelation from God, Jesus said, now son, you're a rock. You're not a reed anymore. You're now a rock. And his closest friends called him Rocky. Hallelujah. Amen. So notice here, he changed his name to rock. And he said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now the rock that he's referring to, once again, is not Peter. I mean, there's been an entire denomination build the church on Peter. It's not the rock. The rock that Jesus is referring to is the rock of revelation knowledge. The rock of revelation knowledge. Now I'm going to prove that to you from the Passion Translation. I'm going to read this starting in verse uh, 13. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are people saying about me, the son of man? 
Who do they believe I am? Then answer, they answered, Some are convinced you are John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up and said, You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own. Now, that's a major point here. You didn't discover what you just said to me on your own. But my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. Notice that phrase once again. My Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed this unto you. In other words, Jesus is saying, you didn't get this from sense knowledge. Five physical sense knowledge. You got it by revelation of my Father. Supernatural revelation. And he says, now, this is what I'm going to build my church upon. And when the church is built upon supernatural revelation knowledge, then Jesus promises that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, if your life is built on sense knowledge, you're going to be shaken. If your life is built upon religious tradition, you're going to be shaken. But if your life is built upon revelation knowledge, knowledge that comes from heaven, knowledge that comes supernaturally from God, then Jesus said, you will no longer be shaken. You'll be solid as a rock. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a good shout over that. Amen. Now, let me uh, just read some of the notes that I wrote down uh, a couple of days ago and then continued in, in, in it last night because I don't want to miss any of this. I don't want you to miss any of it. So much uncertainty is in the earth today. In the natural, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody does. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. If you follow the news media and all their negative reports, it appears that everything is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Fear is running rampant in the land today. And fear is from Satan. Just like faith is from God. They're totally opposite forces. Fear activates Satan. Faith activates God. Amen. You can't have, you can't have fear and faith at the same time. One will negate the other. You're either full of fear or you're full of faith. Fear cometh by hearing what Satan says. Faith cometh by hearing what God says. Now, who are you listening to? You know, I've had people say to me over the years, you know, uh, Brother Jerry, the devil's been telling me this and the devil's been telling me that. And I'll say, well, what is God saying? Well, he doesn't talk to me. Well, I found out your problem. You're spending too much time with the wrong fellow. Don't shout me down now. Amen. You're spending too much time with the wrong person. Fear comes by hearing what the devil says. And of course, the devil uses people. The devil uses the media. I mean, you know, the devil will use anybody that will listen to him. But faith comes by hearing the word. You know, I, I learned from Kenneth Copeland over 50 years ago, one of the first sermons I ever heard him preach. He said, when you're facing trouble, don't run from God, run to God. Amen. That's, that's still a, a powerful truth. And particularly in times like these, when you're facing trouble, when you're in the midst of adversity, don't run from God, run to God. And I'd also like to say it this way. Don't run from God's word, run to God's word. Listen, with what's going on right now, you have no excuse because most of you have been told, stay home. Amen. Amen. What a golden opportunity to be in the Word. You might say you've been forced to get in the Word. That's not a bad deal. Amen. Don't, don't waste all this precious time that you're at home just standing in front of that television set. Amen. John Wayne is not going to help you. Amen. Amen. Ellen is not going to help you. 
Dear God, Ellen cannot help you. Why don't you take this opportunity to spend some quality time in the Word of God? Well, God doesn't talk to me like He talks to you. Well, He would if you'd spend time with Him. Amen? You know, uh, somebody said, well, if, if God would talk to me in a burning bush like He did to Moses. God wouldn't talk to you in a burning bush. It'd have to be a burning television set. Get away from that television for a while. Get your Bible. You, you remember where your Bible is? <laughs> and I, I'm not talking about that iPhone and that iPad. That's great. But pick up a piece of leather and open it and mark it up. Amen. Highlight it like mine. Praise God. I go through here. This this. I don't know how many Bibles I've worn out in 51 years. This is my newest one. Uh, I'm marking it up. In fact, I look forward to reading scriptures that I've already marked up many times in previous Bibles. And I love marking them up all over again. Praise God. Amen. Somebody asked Brother Copeland said, where'd you get that Bible that has words in white? That's because he had marked them up in yellow so much. The only ones that he hadn't marked up was still the ones, uh, you know, that he had marked up. Well, do this. Highlight those verses. Every time you read something that, that inspires your faith, highlight that. In fact, jot it down in your notes. Amen. Look at this. I got fresh notes, fresh notes. You can't even read them. Nobody in the world can read my handwriting, but my secretary. She has an anointing to read writing that's written rotten. Okay. But this is fresh, right hot off the press. Amen. I got it from God's word. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this insight today if I didn't spending all this time the last couple of weeks just watching television. I'm not saying I don't watch television from time to time. I do. You know, there's certain channels on my network that I enjoy watching. You know, I enjoy watching Victory. Man, all those faith preachers, praise God. Just one faith preacher after another. Hallelujah. Amen. And one of the best on there is Jerry Savelle. You ought to turn him on sometimes. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and, and then, you know, uh, being a, a, a classic car enthusiast all my life. I enjoy watching from time to time, you know, shows that they're restoring classic cars. It's so funny. My, I come from a classic car family and Carolyn comes from a, a building family. So if you go into her room, she'll be watching something about restoring houses you come in my room, I'm watching something about restoring cars, but both of us are restoring something all the time. Amen. And that's neat because I found out God's in the restoration business. Oh, yes, he is. But God's restoration is a little different than ours. You know, when I had uh, an automotive business before I went in the ministry, uh, I would repair wrecked cars and I'd restore classic automobiles. And sometimes people would bring their old classic car over on the trailer, you know, and just parts and bits and pieces. And they say, restore this, Jerry. And what their definition of restore was, bring it back to original condition. That's what my, re- my definition for restore was. Bring it back to original condition. If it was an old 32 Ford, they wanted me to make it look like it looked just the way it came out of the factory in 1932. However, when I got into the Bible and found out God was in the restoration business, I found his definition of restore was a little bit different. When God restores, he does not bring back to original condition. He improves, makes better, multiplies, increases. Hallelujah. When God restored Job's fortune, he didn't, he didn't bring him back to original condition. He doubled him. Hallelujah. So I like God's way of restoration. And you say amen. And by the way, God is planning on restoring all the devil has stolen from you. So don't give up on God. Give him a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. So don't open yourself up to fear. More people are feeling, or most people are feeling 
more insecure today than ever before. Instability seems to have become the norm, but it shouldn't become the norm in your house. We are not a people without hope. We are not a people without a covenant and we are not a people without God. The Amplified says, uh, where King James says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The Amplified Bible says they shall not overpower. God is not going to allow the things that are going on in our world today to overpower you if you build your life on the rock of revelation knowledge. Your life will be secure. Your life will be stable, praise God. You won't be, like James says, a double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways, like a wave that's tossed to and fro on the sea. One moment you're saying, God's my source. The next moment you're saying, we're losing everything. One moment you're saying, I'm healed in, 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 by the stripes of Jesus. The next moment you're saying, I'm getting sicker by the day. No, that's like a double-minded man. But when your life is built upon the rock of revelation knowledge, then you're steady. You're stable. You're like the rock of Gibraltar. Nothing moves you. Praise God. You can smile even in the midst of a storm. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Praise God. So my question is, are you part of the church that Jesus is building? If you are, then lay hold upon this promise for your life right now. Never in my life have I uh, witnessed so much instability. I've been preaching for 51 years, my 51st year this year. And I've never seen the instability like I'm seeing right now. And I'm not talking about the world. I expect that from them. I'm talking about in Christians. I'm talking about even in preachers. You know, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, they were preaching God is our source. God is on our side. Nothing can defeat us. Now, some of them are crying and begging and pleading. If you don't help us, we're going down. We're going under. No, my life has been built on the solid rock of revelation knowledge. Amen. And I'm not being braggadocious here. If anything, I'm bragging on God and I'm bragging on his word. But my income has not gone down in all of this. Praise God. It's stable. And thank God for God and thank God for faithful partners. But if I'd been yielding to all the pressure, well, I can't go out and preach. Hey, you know, I've canceled everything. For March, for April, May, hallelujah. If, if, if I was not built, if my life was not built on the solid foundation of the word of God, revelation knowledge, then I might be pulling my hair out. How are we going to pay all these bills? How are we going to pay all these salaries? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? You can ask my wife. I hadn't had a worried thought. In fact, and I, I'm, I'm a little cautious to say this, but I hope you understand where I'm coming from. I'm kind of enjoying the vacation. Because, <laughs> man, I'm going away from my home a minimum of 21 days out of every month. And I've been doing that for over 50 years. I'm enjoying the vacation. I'm enjoying quality time in the Word. I'm finding things uh, during the day and during the night and early in the morning that I didn't know. And you'd think after 51 years, you'd know everything this book has to say. But God's word is inexhaustible. Just about the time you think you really know something, go get in it again. And God will show you, you don't know anything yet, son. But you just wait. I'm about to open up revelation to you that will cause you to rise above every situation you will ever encounter. Amen. Build your life on the rock of revelation knowledge. Can you say amen to that? Jesus is telling us that if we build our lives on the rock of revelation knowledge, then the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Amen. Now, you already know, I'm I'm quite sure you know, five physical sense knowledge is not going to get you over. Because five physical sense knowledge is based upon what you see, what you hear, what you feel, and so forth. You can't be moved. I learned this from Kenneth Copeland 
51 years ago. The first sermon I ever heard him preach. And right at the close of his message, he said, as he was gathering up his Bible and his notebook, he said, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm only moved by what I believe, and I believe the Word of God. And if you believe it, it'll work. If you don't, it won't. Good night. I'm out of here. Wow, what a powerful statement. And I thought immediately, I am. I'm moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I hear. I mean, that moved me all the time. You know, if the television said, you know, back then they had these commercials. And I don't remember what kind of medicine they were promoting, but they said, as long as there's winters and husbands, there will be colds. And then they, you know, advise you to buy this certain product. Well, I would hear that. And I'd say, Carolyn, go buy that medicine because we're going to need it. Winter's coming and I'm a husband. We're going to need it. I was moved by what I saw, whatever I saw on the television, whatever I heard Walter Cronkite back in those days. Some of you don't even know who I'm talking about. You're so young. Walter Cronkite, he was the man with the news, you know, and uh, he covered the Kennedy assassination. And, and if Walter Cronkite said we needed it, then we got it. Isn't it amazing? Back then, people didn't, I don't know anybody that called that little cabinet in their bathroom a mirror. They called it a medicine cabinet. Why? Because that's where we kept all our medicine. Amen. But then when I found out by his stripes, I am healed. When I found out I'm redeemed from the curse of the law and every sickness and every disease is under the curse but we started emptying that medicine cabinet and we started using it as a mirror. Hallelujah. Amen. And praise God, it's kept me in good stead all these years. Hallelujah. So notice <clears throat> there's a difference between revelation knowledge and sense knowledge. There's a difference in revelation knowledge and religious tradition. Religious tradition is not going to get you over in times like these. You need to be full of revelation knowledge. Now, if you have your Bibles, let's open them to Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33. I found this verse years ago. Oh, probably way back in the early 70s. And it has been a verse that I've held fast to all these years. Look at verse 6. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. Now, true wisdom. I'm talking about wisdom that comes from above. James talks about this. He talks about uh, earthly sensual wisdom. And then he talks about the wisdom that comes from above. So this is what Isaiah is talking about. True wisdom, that is wisdom that comes from God, and revelation knowledge that comes from God, lead to strength and stability in troubled times. It causes us to become steadfast and not easily moved. Stability implies firmness, steadiness, constancy. The Bible is telling us that we can actually have peace and joy and comfort even in the midst of adversity if we have the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. We can be stable even in unstable times. David once said in Psalm 31 verse 14 and 15, But I trusted in thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hands. Notice, I trust in you, O Lord. My times are in your hands. The Passion Translation says, My life, my every moment, my destiny, it's all in your hands. So I know you can deliver me. 
What a powerful statement. Let me say it again. My life, my every moment, my destiny. Oh, I love that. Say my destiny. Say my destiny is in your hands. Well, if you really believe that, and if that is truly a revelation to you, then why worry? Then why fret? Then why fear? Amen? He said, my destiny, it's in your hands. You know, a number of years ago, it's been about four years ago now, I had a major stroke. I mean, I was, I was told that I would never be normal again. I would never preach again. I'd never travel again. And, and some of you have heard the testimony. I, I lost total use of my right arm, partial use of my right leg, and total memory loss. I didn't even know my family. And in the natural, I was never to recover. I was never to be normal again. Amen. That's what they said. But thank God for a wife and a family that are wonderful people of faith. Hallelujah. And thank God for the word of God. Amen. And, and deep down on the inside, I knew that I was going to recover. I just couldn't, I just couldn't voice it. The only words I could say in English was, yes, that's it. Whatever they'd ask me, yes. No matter what they said, yes. And, and I didn't even know my family. My wife said, Brother Copeland came and stood over my bed and, and preached to me. And, and, and George Pearsons from Eagle Mountain Church, pastor at Eagle Mountain Church, stood over my bed and preached to me. Jesse and Kathy DePlantis came and, and, and prayed over me. I hardly remember that. But my wife also said the entire time that they were preaching and praying, you were able to pray in tongues. And yet the only word I could say in English was yes. After I recovered, I asked the Lord, I said, how was I able to pray in tongues? And yet I was only able to say yes in English. He said, son, your spirit is not connected to your brain. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That was in my spirit, the ability to pray in tongues. And what happens when you pray in tongues? You build up your most holy faith. See, faith was working. Hallelujah. Faith was working even though I couldn't communicate. But in a short time, and I'm talking about a short time, I was totally restored to health. And in just a matter of a couple of weeks, I was back traveling the world, preaching day and night And I hadn't let up since. Amen. So notice my life, my every moment, my destiny. See, they said my destiny was I'd be an invalid. I I wouldn't even be able to take care of myself. My wife would have to take care of me for the rest of my life and her life. But my destiny is in God. My destiny is in Him. And it's in His hands. Hallelujah. And it's the same way right now, regardless of what is going on around us. And trust me, I've never experienced anything like this before. Most of you have never experienced anything like what's happening in our nation right now. We've never experienced anything like this. But we can rest assured our destiny is in His hands. I like to say it's not over until God says it's over and God will never say it's over until we win. Hallelujah. So lift your hands and say, I am on my way to winning again. Hallelujah. And give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. So David said, and I know you can deliver me. So no matter how severe David's trouble or adversity became, he had a revelation of God's love of God's ability and God's willingness to deliver him. Do you have that revelation? You know, I've found over the years, and I've said this several times, you'd be amazed, and and I, I preach to a lot of people. I've been to 46 nations in the world. I've, I've met a lot of Christians, and you'd be surprised at the number of Christians who still do not Believe, or they're not convinced yet that God loves them. They say, well, I know he loves you, Brother Jerry, but who am I? Well, you're a child of God. I'm a child of God. Amen. He doesn't love me more because I'm a preacher. 
And he doesn't love you less because you're not. Amen. And, and I find that, that many Christians today, where they're missing it and where they're failing is they don't have a revelation of the love of God or the love that God has for them. See, I just believe God loves me. Period. I just believe God loves me. Faults and all. I don't have as many faults as you do, but no, I'm kidding. No, faults and all. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm striving to get that way, but I'm not perfect. I miss it from time to time. You know, I, I make mistakes from time to time. Somebody's wondering right now, what mistakes do you make? Well, I didn't ask you what your mistakes are, ugly. Just, just trust me. I make mistakes from time to time. You know, Oral Roberts told me one time, he said, Jerry, I've never made a mistake in my entire life. I looked at him and said, Brother Roberts. He said, well, not intentionally. <laughs> well, I'm, I've made mistakes. I, I, I have shortcomings, you know, but I don't do it intentionally, you know. And when I realize, hey, I blew it, I ask for forgiveness and endeavor not to ever let that happen again. But God loves me. He still loves me. And he loves you just as much as he loves me. And when you get a revelation, I said a revelation of his love, then praise God, your attitude becomes, why wouldn't God deliver me? He loves me. Why wouldn't God heal me? He loves me. Why wouldn't God bless me? He loves me. Why wouldn't God meet that financial need? He loves me. Amen. If you read the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 3, he says, And God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. But if you read the rest of that around that verse, that's verse 20. But if you read what he said just above those that verse, he's talking about the love of God. And he says, And to know the love of Christ. In other words, God does exceeding abundantly for those who know his love. Amen. Who know his love. Now he wants to do it for everybody. But it's not likely that's going to happen if you doubt his love. So you need a revelation today, right now. If you don't have it already, you need a revelation of God's love for you. God will deliver you just as quickly as he would deliver me. He will deliver you just as quickly as he would anybody else. Get a revelation of God's love. And what did Jesus tell us? I'm going to build my church on the rock of revelation knowledge and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And this is one of the greatest revelations that you could ever receive, that God loves you. I mean, when I discovered that, oh, and, and, and I didn't discover it on my own. I had help with Kenneth Copeland, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, men that I was listening to. But when I discovered, when it became a deep revelation on the inside of me that God loves me. Then I knew that I knew that I knew I am not going to be a failure the rest of my life. I am not going without for the rest of my life. Amen. My life began to change immediately and it has continued to do so all these years. So I want to encourage you, get a revelation of the love of God. Since you got all this time on your hands, why don't you just look up love scriptures and, and just write them all down and study them and highlight them and mark them. And, and every time you read one, say, that's the Bible talking about me. That's God talking about me. Hallelujah. That God loves me. Amen. And you get a revelation of the love of God. And I'm telling you, things are going to change in your life. And it's not going to take the rest of your life for them to change they're going to start changing almost immediately. All right, now listen to this. David went on to say here in uh, Psalm 31 in verse 19 from the Passion Translation, how wonderful you are. You have stored up so many wonderful things for us like a treasure chest heaped up and spilling over with blessings. Notice, wow, what a powerful statement. I got to read that to you again. 
Verse 19 from the Passion Translation. How wonderful you are. Talking about God. How wonderful you are. Notice he got a revelation of just how wonderful God was. You have stored up so many wonderful things for us. Like a treasure chest heaped up and spilling over with blessings. Through revelation knowledge, David was convinced that God would turn his adversity into victory, his test into a testimony, and that he was also confident that the best was yet to come. That God had stored up things that he hadn't even experienced yet. The Apostle Paul picked up on that and later wrote, Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So it's not over, folks. God has things prepared. You say, well, I've lost my job, but God has things prepared. Yeah, but I'm losing my savings account, but God has things prepared. Yeah, but but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but God has things prepared. Say like David said, how wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. You have stored up so many wonderful things for us. Like a treasure chest heaped up and spilling over with blessings. Isn't that what Deuteronomy chapter 28 implies? These blessings will come on you and overtake you. Hallelujah. God has blessings out there that you've not even experienced yet. Stored up. Waiting for you. Folks, no matter how long this thing takes, no matter how long we have to stay at home, no matter how long that we have been confined, God is still in control and God has stored up things for you. They have your name on them and he is not going to let you fail. He's not going to let you be defeated. So just stay in faith, praise God, and just dare believe that God is on my side. And if God is on my side, no one or nothing can be successfully against me. And if you believe it, give him your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wonderful things are in our future. You ought to write that down. Wonderful things are in my future. Praise God. Now, I've already said this, but I want to say it again because I've been saying it for over 50 years. It's never over until God says it's over and God will never say it's over until you win. Don't rely upon religious tradition to get you over. It's not going to work. You need, you need something stronger and deeper than religious tradition. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. And I'm talking about the wisdom that comes from above. And I'm talking about revelation, knowledge that comes from God himself, the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus told the religious people of his day, and it's still true in our day. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 6, Thus have you made the commandments of God of none effect by your tradition. It's repeated in Mark chapter 7, verse 13, just a little bit different wording. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. And the Passion Translation says, you have nullified God's word. And to nullify means to make invalid. In other words, you're, 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 you're preferring to believe something else rather than God's word. Amen. Yeah, but the news media said, I know what they said. But they're not final authority. Amen. They're not final authority. I don't care which news network you're watching. They're not final authority. God's word is final authority. And if, and if you prefer religious tradition over the word of God, then you make the word of God invalid in your life. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lean on religious tradition. I'm not going to lean on sense knowledge. I'm going to lean on revealed knowledge from God by the Holy Spirit to get me over. And it's gotten me over now for over 50 years. And it's still going to do it in these times. His wisdom and knowledge are the stability 
of my times. Hallelujah. Don't let go of that. Praise God. So once again, nullify means to make invalid. Or in other words, to lay the word word of God aside and prefer to believe something else. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Powerful scripture. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Oh my goodness. You ought to lift your hands right now and thank God. If, if that was the only verse in the Bible, you could win with that verse. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Do you suppose he meant also in times like these? Yes, no matter what's happening in our world, the word of God shall stand forever. Amen. I like knowing that I have built my life on something that is unchangeable. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, sway with what's happening in the world. God doesn't say, I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus unless coronavirus is sweeping the earth. No, he doesn't say that. He says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, period. Hallelujah. Amen. And you're not going to get up in the morning and go to Philippians 4 and it says differently. No, it's going to say the same thing every time you pick up this Bible. Hallelujah. Why? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The message translation says it stands firm forever. Hallelujah. So everything in the world today, in our world today, is on shaky ground. But nothing can change the validity of God's word. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 148 verse 6. He hath made a decree. A decree is a legal binding command. He hath made a decree, talking about God, which shall not pass. When God makes a decree, when God promises that I will supply your needs, when God promises that uh, the righteous shall not be forsaken, then it will not pass no matter what's going on in the world around us. The Passion Translation says, He stands behind His commands. His orders will never be revoked. Hallelujah. His orders will never be revoked. If the, if, if the Word of God is your foundation, if you've built your life on the rock of revelation knowledge, then praise God, you will be stable, even in unstable times. Now, this is what God's expecting from you and me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, just because we can't have the church full, I mean, I'm looking around at 10 or 12 people, you know, in, in, including the sound people, the camera people, and just because we can't have an auditorium full of people doesn't mean we can't have church. In fact, if they said no more gatherings totally out of the question, we can still preach the word. I could set up my phone in front of my face in my living room and preach to the world from my phone. I wonder who thought up all that. AT&T? No. God. G-O-D. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Google didn't think this up. God thought it up. Didn't you know, don't you know that he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end? You don't think any of this has caught God off surprise? At, you know, at surprise? No. That's the reason he's been endeavoring to get the word of God in you and build a solid foundation for years and years and years. And it's not too late. You can start right now. Amen. So don't run from the word of God today. Run to the word of God. 
He stands behind his commands. His orders will never be relaxed. So what God is expecting from us is this. My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, even with the restrictions and the somewhat limitations, we're still doing the work of the Lord. We're still preaching the gospel. And you know what? It's amazing how a crisis can get people's attention who wouldn't listen to you before. Oh, some of them are listening now that we're making fun of us. Some of your family don't think you're so stupid anymore. Amen. No, yeah. In a crisis, people tend to want to call on God. They want to hear what God has to say. Well, even in our limitations, we're not restricted from preaching the gospel. Why? Because Jesus said, this gospel shall be preached to all the world and then the end will come. And he didn't say, but there will be a short period of time where it will be impossible to preach the gospel. No, this gospel shall be preached. Even in the midst of a famine, a plague, a virus, a crisis, the gospel is going to be preached. Why is the gospel going to be preached? Because it might be the only good news people have access to. Can you say amen? Lift your hand and give the Lord a shout for the gospel. Thank God for the word. Amen. Now, the prophet Isaiah once proclaimed in Isaiah 24, 20, and I think it's very fitting. You know, he was a prophet. And I think it's very fitting for today. The Amplified says, The earth shall stagger like a drunken man and shall sway to and fro like a hammock. The earth shall stagger like a drunken man and shall sway to and fro like a hammock. That's exactly what's happening in our world today. The earth is swaying to and fro. It's like a a drunken man and it shall sway to and fro like a hammock. You You ever been in a hammock? I love a hammock. We had one down at our lake house years ago. And I I hung it between two trees where I could overlook the lake. And I I tied a rope on the hammock and I tied one on another tree so I could pull myself and just swing back and forth and fall asleep. Just total peace being around the water and swaying to and fro. Well, I know how a hammock sways to and fro. And the earth is experiencing that right now. The earth is being staggered like a drunken man. He's talking about instability. However, Jesus said, but the gates of hell shall not prevail over my church. Can you say amen? Amen. Luke chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus said, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one jot or one tittle of my word to fail. Amen. God is not going to allow his word to fail. You can rely on his word. No matter what is happening in the world around you, you can rely on his word. Now, I need to say this because there are a lot of people got weird ideas. Coronavirus is not from God. It's not God's way of teaching us. Now, I wouldn't blame him if he did. But it's not God's way. Last I heard was the Holy Spirit's the teacher of the church, not coronavirus. God never said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to break you. I'm going to make you. I'm going to mold you. I'm going to send something that will make you go to your knees. That's not what God said. The Bible says, the thief cometh for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. So don't, don't, don't cause God and Satan to change jobs. Amen. Satan is a thief. He comes to kill, to steal, to, and to destroy. Amen. But God comes. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So it's important 
that we not blame God for all that's going on right now. Well, God is just showing this nation. You know, God really wouldn't have to send coronavirus. It would be the people who would open the door to it. Now, you may not like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I hesitated to say it. But with all the strife in our nation right now, I don't know how in the world President Trump gets one minute sleep with all the strife that has been going on in our world. Not just since he's been president, but it seems like it's gotten worse. And the Bible says, where there is strife, also comes every evil work. God wouldn't have to send coronavirus. The people open the door to it. Amen. Strife. Jealousy. Envy. I've never seen a president that is hated by more people than this president. And I might get some ugly letters, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to read them. I think he's doing a good job. In fact, I thank God that he is president at this moment. And he's got my prayers. And yet he ought to have your prayers. God didn't bring this. If anything, we the people open the door to it through strife. Amen. And where there's strife, there's every evil work. And who's behind every evil work? Satan. Satan found a door. He found a loophole. And he's trying to wipe out the world. But it's not going to happen. You know why I know it's not going to happen? Somebody say, well, how do you know it's not going to wipe out the world? Because Jesus said... This gospel shall be preached to the entire world and then the end will come. The whole world hasn't received the gospel yet. So this is not going to destroy our planet. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I can, I can see it coming through the camera, praise God. All right. I just had my say. I'm off my soapbox now. I just had my say. Okay. But God is not responsible for this. God is not killing people. God is not destroying lives. God is not taking away your finances. You ought to thank God that there is a God in heaven who hears the prayers of the destitute and hears the prayers of the righteous. Hallelujah. Amen. James says in James chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, that people who become double-minded in what they believe. They're like a wave tossed to and fro on the sea. And he says this, and let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you. It's not that God doesn't want to help you, but he's not going to, he's not going to uh, override his own word. Amen. So it's important that you stay single-minded. It's important that you refuse to let go of the Word of God in a crisis. In fact, I preached a sermon many years ago. Carolyn's wanting me to preach it again, and I may preach it the next time I come to you. But I preached a sermon years ago, and I said, there are three things that are totally unshakable. The rest of the world is shakable. But these three things will never be shaken. Number one, the kingdom of God. Number two, the king's decree, a word. And number three, the king himself. Amen? God's kingdom is unshakable. The king himself is unshakable. The king's decree or his word is unshakable. Now, that's what you need to build your life on. 
Amen. Build it around the kingdom of God, the king himself, and the king's decree. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that man cannot expect to receive anything from God. Well, if there's anybody that you need to have confidence that you can receive something from in times like these, it's God. But he operates on the basis of what he has said. He's not going to violate his word. So make sure that you stay single-minded. Amen? Stay single-minded. Jesus is still on the throne. God's word is still unchangeable. The Holy Spirit is still our helper. Hey, folks, we got it made. In reality, we've got it made through this ordeal. All right, now I'm going to close it with this. I want you to go to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Now look at verse 6 in particular. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. Now I want to read this to you from the Passion Translation. Their circumstances will never shake them. They will not live in fear or dread or what may come for their hearts are firm, ever secure in their faith. Steady and strong, they will not be afraid but will calmly face every foe. Oh my goodness, what a powerful psalm. This is the way God wants you and me to be today. I I, I heard Kenneth Copeland preach this psalm back in 1969. One of the earliest messages I ever heard Kenneth Copeland preach. And he just simply called it the established heart. Years later, it became my very first book. I've written somewhere close to 80 books in 51 years. But the very first book that I wrote was called The Established Heart. It's been reprinted and reprinted and reprinted. I don't know how many times has gone all over the world. But it it ministered to me so powerfully. And it became uh, obvious to me after hearing him preach it that this is exactly what I needed to do if I was ever going to be a, a, a success in my life both as a father, a husband, a preacher, that I needed to get my heart established so that nothing would shake me ever again. Amen. Now, it didn't happen overnight, but I started one night, and I've been doing it all these years, and I can say without any reservation, without any hesitation, and without being egotistical, you are looking at a man whose heart is established. Amen. My heart is is established. I am secure in my faith. Hallelujah. In my faith in God. And you can get the same way. But it takes building your life on revelation knowledge. We go back to Matthew and Jesus saying that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church and its people whose lives are built upon the rock of revelation knowledge. Let me close it with this. Psalm 125 verse 1. The Amplified says, those who trust in, lean upon, and confidently hope in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides and stands forever. Hallelujah. How would you like for your life to be like Mount Zion? Hallelujah. And then if your life is like Mount Zion, you could also be called 
by your best friends? Rocky. Hallelujah. Amen. Rocky. Yo, Adrian. I did it. Hallelujah. Amen. You can do this, praise God. You can win. You can have peace. You can be stable in unstable times. You can become like the Mount Zion that is stable, immovable, abides, and stands forever. Amen. And then I have one more verse before I close. I love closing. Sometimes I do it five or six times. Amen. It's my favorite part of the sermon, closing. Isaiah 26.3. I I wouldn't do you justice if I didn't give you this verse. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. God will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind on him. Keep your mind on his word. The Amplified says, God will guard you and keep you in perfect and constant peace. I like that. Not have peace one day and not the next. In constant peace. The message translation says, people with their minds set on you, you will keep them completely whole. Steady on their feet because they keep at it and they don't quit. Hallelujah. Amen. Is that your decision today? Even though there are unstable times, we don't have to be unstable. Even though there is a crisis, we don't have to be defeated by it. We can keep our mind on him, keep our mind on his word, build our lives on the foundation of revelation knowledge. And praise God, we're going to come out on the other side of this victorious. The winner that God has called us to be. Lift your hands right now and just thank God for it. Father, I have endeavored to deliver this message today to the best of my ability. And I pray that it has lodged in the hearts of every person who has heard it. I pray in Jesus' name that they will not be shaken in their faith. I pray that they will not be moved by everything that is around them. I pray in Jesus' name that they will come out on the other side of all this better than ever, more prosperous than ever, stronger than ever. And Lord, I thank you in advance for all the good things that you have already prepared for us laying in store for us in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we receive it. Amen and amen. Say amen. Amen. I got to read this to you one more time. Do not fret and do not fear. I still plan to give you a supernatural year. It's not over and you will not fail. Didn't I tell you that the gates of hell shall not prevail? Rest in me and I'll see you through. And I'll bring to pass all that I said I'd do. So thank your Father in heaven that you have a choice. You can choose to fear or you can choose to rejoice. So rejoice and do not cease. This is how you tap in to my supernatural peace. Hallelujah. Let's rejoice one more time. Glory to God. Come on, Pastor.